Do you love the Mason Vera Payne show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then keep listening. It's time for Team MVP. Uh, Team MVP is a show about your life, covering everything from movies and games to technology to politics, but not the stuff you hear about on the news. Coming to you from MVP Studios, Team MVP starts now. Team MVP correspondent Brian Altimer here live from MVP Studios in Chicago, and thank you for tuning in. Well, here's a question for you. How do we grow meat without animals? The lab-grown meat industry is a revolutionary step forward in the development of food. It could be one of the biggest innovations since the beginning of the meat industry. Advisor to Coat Food Science, CoatFoodScience.com, Dr. Ian Smith joins me to explain what lab-grown meat is and its future. Thank you for joining me. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's nice to be here. Well, this is something I never thought I'd be talking about is lab-grown meat because when you... <laughs> hear that term you think of like these mad scientists in this dark room you know growing like just meat what is lab grown meat yeah it's a fascinating area of biology for me essentially lab grown meat is it's genuine meat it's cultivated or grown directly from animal stem cells so rather than kind of the traditional way of farming animals, raising them, slaughtering them. We're growing the bits we need and not needing the rest, which is actually something Winston Churchill said in 1932. That wasn't me. Is it a longer process to do? I would think as much meat as Americans consume just in a day that you would need like these massive farms to, to get this done. Yeah, I mean, it's probably... You know, the way that lab-grown meat is kind of grown, if you take chicken, for example, like a chicken breast. So, you know, within the kind of the breast muscle, you have these stem cells, these adult stem cells. And so normally uh, what happens is when you're, you, you damage the muscle or if you work out those stem cells, they kind of grow they replicate and they fuse with existing muscle and they become muscle. And so that's how your muscle gets bigger when you work out. And so what scientists and engineers kind of figured out is that you can take a, you know, a little small biopsy from a muscle, for example, a chicken breast, you can isolate those stem cells, separate them from the, the muscle, and you can kind of coax them to grow outside. Wow. So you can do that with other kind of fat or connective tissue. And it depends on how much tissue that you want to grow, how much meat you want to grow will determine how long that takes. But we're talking on the order of, you know, months, weeks, depending on how much you want to actually get to. We're talking to Dr. Ian Smith. He's the advisor to Coat Food Science, coatfoodscience.com. You kind of mentioned health there. I'm a health food nut. I work out a lot. And one of the things that I always look for is protein and just the health benefits of what I eat. Do you lose any of that with lab-grown meat or is it pretty much the same? No, I mean, if you, you know, take a kind of a macro level look at it, there are potentially many kind of benefits of having control of the process in this way. I mean, so for example, for a consumer like you and me to accept these kind of products is that the process in which they're made has to be open and transparent. So, you know, all the ingredients that go into 
growing these kind of meat products, they're highly regulated. You know, I've seen a lot of the efforts that a lot of these small startup companies are making. It's first and foremost in their mind, how are we going to regulate? How, how will we be seen by the regulatory environment? How will we be seen by the consumer? We need to be open and transparent in everything that we're doing. So from a food safety perspective, which I think is also something you're trying to get at is you know, we're not going to have to worry about E. coli contamination from kind of like the frozen meat or the meat processing plants, which can be a problem. And then if you think about fish and fish products, growing fish in the same way as, for example, the chicken breast, is that we're not going to need to screen for kind of heavy metals. So there are many wins in providing consumers with uh, products in this way. Uh, we're talking to Dr. Ian Smith, uh, the advisor to Coat Food Science, uh, CoatFoodScience.com. You mentioned uh, like the slaughterhouses uh, earlier in, in this segment, and I want to uh, kind of go back to that because it's you know the the process. And I can tell a story where I actually visited a, a slaughterhouse years ago for a pig farm, and ever since then I never ate pork again. After that, I still eat red meat. But pork, I totally stay away from the whole barbaric process of how that happens. I'm surprised you no know, lab grown meat isn't taking like a, a bigger step. I mean, I, you see these commercials, you know, for fast food where, you know, it says it's almost beef or I can't believe it's beef. Do, do you see, you know, lab grown meat replacing just the traditional way of how Americans get their food because, you know, some people don't eat meat simply because of the process of how, you know, those animals are slaughtered. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I got into this field because I'm a, you know, a scientist, I'm a cell biologist, and it's a fascinating application of some of the technologies we've been, you know, developing for 10, 20 years. You know, I think from, again, a macro level, I think that we all need to have a better relationship with where our food is coming from. And I point to your example you just gave me there mm -hmm. with your experience at a slaughterhouse. You know, it's at the end of the day, the driver here is to make a more efficient food product. And we're going to do that in a way in which we remove animals as much as can be. The ideal situation, and it's something that everyone is working towards, is that besides that initial biopsy, where you take that small little pinprick of cells, which, you know, it's a relatively painless procedure, the rest of the process will be designed to completely obviate and get rid of the need for animals in the food production system. In terms of, you know, we're at the very beginnings of this, you know, movement, I suppose. There are a lot of technical challenges, which is good because that keeps me in a job. You know, there are a lot <laughs> of things that we need to figure out for this to be a long-term viable and sustainable option for people. But, you know, I think that if the industry can produce a product where there is no compromise on taste, there's no compromise on texture, and the price point is lower than conventional meat, I think that, you know, there will be a trend for this to, at first, kind of coexist and augment the industry, the conventional meat industry, but eventually it will give it a run for its money, I think. Final question too, what's one thing that you want people to leave this segment thinking about when they think of lab-grown meat? Because I will say, and, I, and I'll be honest, as far as when I heard about this, I'm like, you know, lab-grown meat doesn't sound good to me. 
but after talking to you, I'm <laughs> I'm thoroughly convinced now. I always tell people, you know, if you ever want to see how your food is made, go to a processing plant and see how your food is made, and then you can make that decision, you know, whether you still want to eat that product or not. But what would you want people to, to know about lab-grown meat? Yeah, it's kind of interesting points that you make. You know, my point of view, I'm coming at it from a scientist, so I kind of understand the principles involved. It's the messaging that's going to be really important that a lot of these companies and the field and how they deliver the message. This is a very and will be a very highly regulated kind of process. It's going to have a lot of close oversight. And the companies know this. They know that, you know, the they're going to have to be transparent and open. And a lot of them are designing their plants to have that transparency involved. Like I mentioned before, if they can produce a product, um, which is the goal, is that there's no compromise in taste texture and it has to be priced right. Can we make the food more healthy? You know, and final comment, there is a natural reaction of, you know, it's like an ick factor, right? And for that, I think we all need to have a better relationship to the food that we currently eat. According to your experience with the slaughterhouse, how much of an effect that had on, you know, your future relationship with pork. So I'd encourage people to, you know, think about the foods they're eating and where it comes from. And there you have it, Dr. Ian Smith. He's the advisor to Coat Food Science, coatfoodscience.com. Make sure you follow Coat Food Science on Instagram and you can follow them on Twitter. It's at Coat Food Science on Twitter and Coat Food Science on Instagram. Dr. Smith, thanks for joining me. Thanks so much. It was nice to be here. Love what you just heard? Team MVP is brought to you by everyone's favorite unabridged millennial, Mason Vera Payne. Let's be friends. Connect with us at Mason Vera Payne on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Got a question or comment for the show? Email contact at masonverapayne.com. And make sure to check out masonverapayne.com to catch up on what you missed and get fresh content multiple times a week. That's Mason Vera, P-A-I-N-E, all one word, dot com.